I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on the recently enacted excise tax on stock buybacks. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 introduced a new 1% tax on the value of stock buybacks or share repurchases by public companies during the year. In today's episode, we discuss the mechanics of the tax, whether it is achieving its intended goal of curbing buybacks, and how some lawmakers in the U.S. hope to expand its scope. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. So it's been a hot minute since we've talked about the Inflation Reduction Act, so I thought it might be nice for us to give it a little more love on today's episode. I, I like that idea. Um, as long as we aren't going to try to attribute the reduction in inflation that we've seen since last fall to the act. No, not at all. Okay, good. No. Although that might be a nice reminder for our listeners that correlation is not causation. Truth. Uh, so you are correct that monthly inflation peaked at 9.1% in June of 2022 mm-hmm. and has steadily declined since then, but not likely because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. As we talked about on our episode dedicated to the biggest piece of tax legislation during President Biden's administration thus far, the Penn-Wharton budget model offered a, quote, low level of confidence that the legislation would have a measurable impact on inflation. Okay, so if it's not the Inflation Reduction Act that is causing inflation to cool, what is helping to lower inflation right now? I think it's a mix of things. So um, people were had been storing up cash during the pandemic because, you know, there was nothing to do. Yep. And now that people are out and about again, I think those cash reserves are drying up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also seen the supply chain nightmare that existed. Thankfully. Starting to ease a good bit. And um, the sharp increases in oil and gas prices following Russia's invasion of the Ukraine have also relaxed. Um on top of that, oh, there's more. I don't know if you've noticed, but there have been some banks failing. Uh huh. Yeah, and that reduces potentially, at least temporarily, the amount of cash being lent out. Uh, we've also seen some layoffs, so that's reducing some of the pressure that we had in the very tight labor market. And you just listed a lot of things. It was, it's a lot of things. Uh, absolutely zero of which are related to tax credits for clean energy. Correct. An extension of the Affordable Care Act. Nope. IRS funding, nope, or literally any other provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, great. Uh, So now that we've established that the Inflation Reduction Act on the whole likely isn't doing much to affect inflation, today we're going to ask whether one particular component of the act, the stock buyback tax, is having an effect on stock buybacks. Okay, let's try to accomplish three things today. Okay. Number one, let's talk about the mechanics of buybacks and the tax consequences before for the Inflation Reduction Act. All right. Number two, let's discuss the motivation for the new share buyback tax and highlight some proposals to modify that tax. And number three, we're going to outline some potential consequences of taxing share buybacks, some of which have more empirical support than others. Okay. I like it. Let's do it. Uh, Okay. So first order of business, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired right now. So I'm just going to let you do all the talking. I'm just going to ask you questions. Um, What is a stock buyback and how were they taxed before the Inflation Reduction Act? All right. As my spouse likes to say, let me take a step back. Okay. (laughs) There are essentially two ways for companies to return value to their shareholders. You can either pay them dividends or you can buy back their shares. 
Strictly speaking, share buybacks have only been allowed since 1982. Before that, they were prohibited as a form of market manipulation. What? Why? Well, the major concern was that an employee who had insider knowledge, someone like an executive of the firm, could trade to their advantage around a buyback announcement. So Rule 10B18, which was enacted in 1982, legalized share repurchases under very specific conditions. These include public announcement of the buyback plan, and the whole point of the rules is to limit nefarious insider trading. Interesting. So as you said, companies can return cash to shareholders as buybacks, or they can just pay cash dividends. Yes. So let's talk about the differences in tax consequences between these two forms of payouts before the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, I think an example would be really helpful here. Okay, as you wish. So let's say an individual, and we're gonna call him Tom Wamsgams, owns 10,000 shares of a company that we'll call Waystar Royco. And he purchased those shares five years ago for $80 a share. Now Waystar is sitting on a pile of excess cash and wants to return some of it to investors. Let's keep things really simple and assume that Tom could choose between receiving $1 million dividend or selling his shares back to the company for a total of $1 million. Now that smirk on your face as you're saying the name of this hypothetical individual and the company that he hypothetically owns Mm -hmm. um, is giving me the sneaking feeling that this example relates to yet another TV melodrama that I know nothing about. Yes, yes it is. And which one? Succession. Uh, Of course I shouldn't have known. All right, so back to the example. Under the dividend scenario, Tom has a million dollars of cash. It's taxed as dividend income. Assuming these dividends are qualified, they're taxed at a lower preferential tax rate. Um, At this wealthy individual's uh, income level, it's probably 23.8%, including the net investment income tax of 3.8%. So he'd be left with after-tax cash flows of $762,000, and he'd still own his 10,000 shares of Waystar. So in the buyback scenario, if Tom participated, which he does not have to do, He would still get the $1 million of cash, but now he's actually selling his stock back to the corporation. So his taxable income is only $200,000. He gets to subtract his basis in the shares, that $800,000 total that he paid for them, from that $1 million of cash proceeds. So only that $200,000 is gonna get taxed. Again, assuming that same 23.8% all-in tax rate on capital gains, because we're going to assume he owned this stock for more than a year, Tom is left with after-tax cash flow of $952,000 in this scenario. Wow. Okay. So that's almost 200K more than in the dividend scenario, but big difference, he's no longer a shareholder in Waystar. Which uh, could be for the best. Okay. Not sure what that means. As the example illustrates, uh, these repurchases are often tax advantage to U.S. individual investors. Um, Foreign investors can also prefer buybacks because they pay no U.S. tax on their capital gains, uh, but their dividend income is subject to as much as 30% tax, and that can depend on treaties between the U.S. and wherever that foreign investor uh, is a resident. But there's also a big chunk of the market, about 40%, that's owned in retirement plans and these are tax exempt and therefore completely indifferent between buybacks and dividends because they're not gonna pay tax either way. So all in all, researchers at the Tax Policy Center estimated a five to 8% tax differential tax preference for investors of buybacks relative to dividends in the Mm. US. Also notice that only the shareholder is getting taxed. There is no company level tax on dividends or repurchases, at least before the Inflation Reduction Act. 
And so those company level taxes don't affect this decision at all. Great. But we've said so many times that the tax tail shouldn't wag the business dog, right? Have That's we? what we say. Have we <laughs> said that? Just rolls off the tongue. Have we ever said 100%. that? 100%. I'm not disagreeing with it. But. Every episode. Okay. So just because it's better for the investor from a tax perspective to get a buyback, we shouldn't necessarily do the buyback. Sure. So what else could managers or I guess should managers be thinking about when they're choosing between using dividends or buybacks to return value to shareholders? So funny you should mention that. Okay. Because Brav, Graham, Harvey, and McKaylee, a group of finance researchers, asked executives what drives their dividend versus buyback decisions. And the vast majority said it was not investor level taxes. Shocking. Uh, so one of the biggest reasons is that stock buybacks offer managers more flexibility relative to dividends. Because once a company commits to paying regular dividends, it looks really bad to investors if they have to stop for some reason. Right. On the other hand, buybacks are lower commitment. It's dating, not marriage. Mm -hmm. So if managers see a better investment opportunity, a better use of their excess cash, they can take it instead of buying back the stock and not disappoint everybody. All right. So that flexibility seems good. Um, favorable shareholder tax consequences seem good. So why are some people so grumpy about share buybacks? Let's find out. We just said that managers prefer buybacks to dividends because they offer flexibility and that many investors prefer buybacks to dividends because they offer more favorable tax outcomes. So why, oh, why then did the Dems decide they wanted to increase the tax on buybacks as part of the Inflation Reduction Act while leaving the taxation of dividends exactly the same? Well, they offer a couple of reasons. Okay. First, they noted that stock buybacks have increased a lot after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Okay. You remember that that law made it easier for companies to access cash that was previously quote unquote trapped offshore. Yes. And it lowered the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%. So when you add that up, it means companies found themselves with a lot of excess cash. Now, one of the Republican talking points around the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was that companies would use this cash to fund US investment and increase their pay for US workers. What companies actually did was buy back their shares. Uh -huh. There are about $806 billion of stock buybacks in 2018. That was a record at the time, but they've since increased. Hold my beer. Buybacks reached 1.26 trillion in 2022. And in January of 2023 alone, companies announced buyback plans of $132 billion, more than triple the amount from the year before. Yeah. So across multiple analyses, the biggest winners of the TCJA were uh, not employees. Oh, yeah. But shareholders. Sure. Not workers. Okay. And that made some Dems grumpy. Yes. Senator Elizabeth Warren, for example, characterized buybacks as market manipulation to inflate executive pay and a poor use of excess profits that could instead be reinvested in workers. Even uh, former President Trump was described as, quote, unhappy? I, I mean, yes. <laughs> Specifically in this case, oh, okay. that companies use the tax savings from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act to buy back shares rather than increase domestic investment or hire more workers. So we've got both Senator Elizabeth Warren and former President Trump upset about the same thing. That's bipartisanship. I mean, it's quite remarkable. 
Second, some people believe that buybacks are used strategically to inflate a company's earnings per share, which in turn could inflate executives' compensation because we know that a lot of executives have a lot of their compensation tied to EPS. Yes. One study noted that as recently as 2019, more than 30% of all executive compensation plans are linked to earnings per share. Buying back shares reduces that per share denominator in that calculation and so increases earnings per share, which companies like all else equal. And this doesn't seem to be a theoretical problem. So okay. we're, not, we're not just like worrying about this and it's not really happening. Okay. So one study by researchers at the University of Illinois and Boston College found that the likelihood of stock buybacks that increase EPS, like you were just talking about, is higher for firms that would have missed their EPS targets if they hadn't done the buyback. Ah. There's also the belief that buybacks increase income inequality because so much of the U.S. stock market is held by the wealthiest of the wealthy, which could make Dems even more cranky. But some research by McKinsey and company found that there's no difference in income inequality effect between dividends and buybacks. So that one could go either way. Okay. But still, there are several reasons to be potentially upset about buybacks. Okay. And what do we do when companies are engaging in an activity that is legal, but that makes politicians cranky? We tax it. Hell yeah, we do. Enter the stock buyback tax. The IRA introduced the tax is equal to 1% of the value of corporate share purchases net of any new issuances. The tax became effective January 1, 2023, and it's imposed on the business rather than the shareholder. The tax does not apply to dividends, so it shrinks that relative tax preference for buybacks that we discussed in the first part of the episode. Okay, hold up there a second. Okay. All right, so we just said that the tax was passed to curb buybacks. Yes. And encourage companies to reinvest corporate profits into the business. Yes. Reinvest it into their workers. Mm-hmm. Stop giving it to shareholders. Yes. And we said that the tax was effective January 1st, 2023. Uh-huh. And we said that announced buybacks in 2023, January alone tripled relative to last year. Mm-hmm. So what gives? Well, I never said the tax was going to be effective. Oh, you didn't, did you? No. Okay. Sorry. So as with some of the other policies we've talked about in the past, including the cap on executive compensation deductions. Mm. Oh yeah, that one. Uh Uh-huh. This tax is not working to actually change behavior. Several executives have characterized the tax as just another cost of doing business, one that is not going to deter them from doing buybacks. As Howard Silverblatt, a senior analyst at S&P Dow Jones said to the Wall Street Journal, quote, It's annoying, but it's not going to stop you. But what might stop executives is President Biden's proposal to increase the tax rate to 4%. What the what? So Biden actually mentioned this proposal in his State of the Union address. Oh, you watched. Uh Uh-huh, I did. I think this was during one of the more coherent stretches. Um, In February, Senators Sherrod Brown and Ron Wyden introduced the Stock Buyback Accountability Act of 2023, which would increase the tax rate from 1% to 4%. Thoughts. Okay. First thought, I'm giving that name an F minus. What? Not creative. Oh. And no acronyms there. No. Okay. F minus indeed. Second, sure. All right. Yeah. Raise the rate. I'm not sure it's going to, quote, help reinvest in the economy while also preventing abuse and reducing tax avoidance, end quote, as the senators suggest. Um, I just have to point out that there you go again, expecting politicians to say logical things. I know. What's wrong with you? So many things. Okay. So let's start with the first part, increasing investment. 
That Brav et al. survey that we referenced earlier found that almost 80% of surveyed executives make buyback decisions after determining other investment plans. The implication is that companies are not substituting repurchases for other profitable investment opportunities. And thank goodness, because this behavior is consistent with finance theory. You only give funds back to shareholders when you have no better productive use of the funds. Totally agree. So the assumption of this plan to you know increase the taxes that companies are basically wasting the money on share buybacks that they should be doing something more profitable with it and they're not doing that right but those researchers asked executives what they would have done with the cash used for buybacks had they not done the buyback okay and the most common response given by 40 percent of executives was not to increase wages mm-hmm. was not to reinvest in the business mm-hmm. it was to pay down debt okay Only about 15% of surveyed executives said that they would invest more. And you might think that paying down debt is uh, unambiguously a good thing if you think that there's too much debt in the economy and there's that there's too much risk of default and Mm -hmm. that could cause systemic issues like we saw in the global financial crisis. But debt actually has an important monitoring role on executives as well. So there's something to be said for an optimal amount of debt that companies have. And if we push them away from that, then maybe we're moving away from the optimum. And even still, it's not going to workers. Exactly. It's also unclear what the tax avoidance is that the senators are referring to. Yeah, that one was a disconnect for me too. Um, We said that dividends and buybacks often have the same tax rate applied. Yes. It's the tax base that is different, but that's because the transactions are different. Yes. In one scenario, you're selling shares. And so you're paying tax on the gain. In the other scenario, you're getting cash in return for nothing. So you're paying tax on the entire amount of the cash distribution. So I don't know why it's considered tax avoidance if it's the tax law. The senators go on to say that big corporations should never pay less than middle-class families. Okay, fine, but I'm not sure how a 4% stock buyback tax is germane to that discussion. No, and I it's kind of sad, but that one sentence you read, it wasn't even a full sentence, it was like 12 words that you mm-hmm. read. It's it's word soup. Kind of like the State of the Union. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so it reminds me. By the way, you just laughed audibly. I'm, I'm going to record that. I'm trying. So it reminds me of one of my favorite episodes of 30 Rock. Okay. It's the one where Queen Latifah stars as Congresswoman Regina Bookman. Do you remember okay. this? No. And she just, she gives speeches throughout <laughs> the entire episode. And at some point she completely loses her thought and she just starts saying buzzwords. She keeps saying like <laughs> troops and flags over and over again. And the last time she does it, she says, now I may have lost my train of thought several minutes ago, but if I continue to talk like this, no one will notice. And when I stop, you will applaud my energy. Yes. Tax avoidance, corporations, middle America, corporate greed. Offshoring. Troops. Flags. (laughs) Got my vote. Uh, time for the good, bad, the ugly. All right, bring it. And in this single episode, yes. I managed to reference both Succession and 30 Rock. Okay. Um, those were the highlights for me. And I think I'm done with any positivity for today. All right. Well, let me see here. I'm gonna put a little more thought to this than just crazy television references. Oh, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Talking about excise taxes instead of income taxes is fun. Okay. 
I mean, we often talk about income taxes. Anytime we talk about something different, it's fine. Okay, great. Yes. Making fun of politicians for saying crazy, silly things is fun. That is fun. And explaining to our listeners that buybacks are not inherently bad for anyone just seems like a silver lining. Well done. Good, because I'm out. Okay, that was excellent. A plus. All right, so bad. And I think what's bad here is that the tax seems to be based on many assumptions that don't seem to have widespread empirical support. Or theoretical support. No. Um, So it basically seems like many politicians assume that corporations choose buybacks instead of other profitable investment activities. Yes. But the evidence on that point, I'm going to be super generous and call it mixed. That's very, very generous. Yeah. The Brav et al. study and others suggest that companies issue dividends or buyback shares only when they do not have alternative investment opportunities. In some cases, it is actually value enhancing to get the cash out of the firm to avoid managers squandering it through their own pet projects, excessive perks, and empire building. Good point. Um, Another assumption from some of these politicians appears to be that taxing buybacks will keep the cash inside the firm to benefit workers, but companies can still distribute cash to shareholders through dividends. Yes. And they can also, okay, one better use special dividends instead of regular dividends. Special fairy princess, special fairy unicorn princess dividends. Okay. And the best part about a special princess unicorn fairy dividend. Yes is that it doesn't involve a commitment to regular payments like a regular dividend does. Yes. So basically these are like, I guess the holy grail because they allow managers to maintain that flexibility of buybacks without incurring the tax. All that would do is actually shift the tax burden back onto the shareholders because Uh, they're paying that higher tax on the dividends. Yeah. So the tax is poorly targeted and could be tightened, at least in theory, to better identify situations where companies are really being wasteful mm-hmm. or just using those buybacks to, ma- to manipulate their stock price through earnings per share. Yep. Okay, so that just leaves the ugly, which I think is how unexpectedly far-reaching this tax could actually become. Okay. So Treasury and the IRS released guidance in December of 2022 that applies the tax in situations where a U.S. subsidiary makes business payments to a foreign parent, which the foreign parent then uses to buy back its shares. So the guidance was well-intended. It was meant to prevent foreign companies from having an advantage over U.S. companies subject to the tax, but it essentially treats any payment from a U.S. subsidiary to its foreign parent as intended to fund buybacks if the buyback happens within two years of the payment. Now there is fear that this provision could hurt foreign direct investment and provoke other countries to retaliate. So for example, Canada is set to enact a 2% buyback tax in 2024, and it would be easy for them to follow the U.S.'s lead and tax all U.S. parents with Canadian subs. Okay. Uh, Did you ever watch South Park? Like a few episodes. Okay. I think this might've been from a movie. Did they do a movie? They did. There was a movie. Okay. Blame Canada. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is what this makes me think of. Okay. We're, we're just, yeah, we're going to blame Canada for all of our problems and uh, they're going to retaliate and we're going to retaliate. And all of a sudden we're at war with Canada. Blame Canada. You don't know the song? No, I don't know the no. song, but continue by all means. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses.